Join us as we open another file in the Markov dossier. File number Historia Ponderosa 2202306060. File open. Sir Luton, and welcome to this episode of the Markov Dossier, a dystopian age podcast. My name is Scott, and I'm here with Sam. Howdy, pilgrims. We're on our own this time. We've got no um, cast of amazing people around us. How are you doing, Sam? I'm all right. Can't complain. Good stuff. So, tonight we're going to discuss our last game of Wild West Exodus. We did a Nautilus crew versus the soul hunters uh in the custom scenario that i wrote the project barnum scenario and we just wanted to go over a little bit we're not so much going to talk about the the scenario and how it played out much it, it was still it was still a fun game but we decided to tweak a few things as we went along to make it a little bit better and a little bit quicker because it didn't quite play quite as chaotically as last time so we decided to make a few amendments but that's all we're really going to say on that to be honest well, we should at least say what the snark for those that haven't seen project barnum what we're talking about here just give them an overview of what we're dealing with i think that's true project barnum was a scenario that i wrote which is essentially there is i've wrote it very generically so it's a monstrosity that you are attempting to capture or kill it's up to you and you get the according victory points it's a generic scenario that you capture or kill a creature so you could sort of tailor whatever monsters you've got into it but i specifically did a zombie t-rex because i was excited for lost world exodus it was just after it's announced that i originally wrote it so i did a zombie t-rex for us to try and hunt down and capture called a uh, project barnum so and that's the scenario you got to try and capture or kill this monster yeah uh, and we thought the soul hunters versus the um, crew of the Nautilus would be a nice fun thematic sort of they want to capture you and study it for their own purposes and that Nautilus crew want to capture and uh, take yeah. it back for the <laughs> yeah the highest bidder probably for their gold because yeah, that's okay. how they so, here's here, here, riddle me this how do you get a dinosaur onto a submarine <laughs> <laughs> you take the s out of you and the f out of way <laughs> yep. but there's no f in way ah <laughs> oh family show Sam come on <laughs> yeah so. How did you think the game went overall? Oh, I, I mean, you won, so I, I imagine you're quite happy with the way. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It was cha- we did have to tweak it because we thought mm, this isn't as chaotic as we want it, so we tweaked it because we uh, literally as we were playing, we thought mm, that's not working. Next round, we'll try this, and we tweaked it, and it worked a lot better. Really, really enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure to play. Last time we played this scenario, it's still the ranks highly as my most fun game i've ever played that first time we played the scenario and this yeah. one didn't disappoint either once we got once we tweaked it a little bit it was a little more dangerous 
Yeah, I mean, the dinosaur wasn't being compliant this time. He just wanted to dither off the board. Um, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't feeling it this time. But yeah, once we tweaked it a little bit, it got a bit more interesting. And we've decided sort of to tweak it a, a little bit further. But we're not going to go into that because we, we decided, you know, maybe there's certain things that make it a bit more um, risk reward ish to go in with the theme of, of Lost World and Wild West Exodus. Get that we as soon as we've got it nailed down, we will be releasing this scenario for you all to play. And as Scott says, it doesn't have to be a dinosaur, it can be any large model you've got. In fact, if you've got kids, you've got plastic dinosaurs, they'll do just fine. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, they'll be perfectly fine. Uh, dinosaurs. I've got a sandworm from Malifaux that would work quite well for like the desert. Yeah, I think um, once it's tweaked, it, it should be good. But yeah, it was a good fun game. There was lots of there was lots of. I mean, well, West Exodus always gives you those nice water coolery moments. Um, yeah. So, turn one it was fairly cagey-ish. Well, I mean, turn one, isn't it? You're trying to get, work out where your positioning's going. You're yeah, yeah. Like, where am I going to go? Uh, let's see. I think my I thought right. I know. I've got because I'm running running a full soul hunters with Mister Ears as well. I thought right. Hans Spellman. There's your sniper. Get him up high. Portaled him up high. Aha! And that didn't last long because you came up with um, May. Yeah, May. May. Yeah, she's got the undercover all, so I could bring her out anywhere. And because she's where we were playing, there was like a scaffolding, so I decided it'd be fun to pop her out on a little bit of scaffolding close by. And then because she can hop, she's got agile, so she can hop easily around. So she just hopped along the bits of scaffolding into a charge, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. This this happens every single time I ran Soul Hunters. Hans Spellman is the first to die. With I've never I don't think I've actually ever got a single shot off with him. He's usually dead <laughs> before I can get even get somebody in range. The, the the trouble is that you have this weird thing where you think snipers need to get closer to the enemy. Well, his range isn't that. He's not. He's <laughs> he's, he's the sniper of the team because he's got things like attuned and spirit aim and so on. But he hasn't got that great range. <laughs> but he needs to be up high. So I wanted him up high, and then he just got. He just gets killed every single time I play him. Yeah, I mean, I always it always unnerves me that you put him out of the way. So I'm just like, okay, he obviously needs to die first. So, but to be fair, the last game it wasn't my fault. He just fell over. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was pretty much it for the first turn, wasn't it? I didn't yeah. kill anybody. I got him into. I got May into combat. She didn't do anything because I could only do the one thing because uh, yeah. she'd moved so much in the first turn. I think we stunned the dinosaur straight off the bat, didn't we? Yes, we, I think. We, we put the, we put our, we'd got, the rule was we had tranquilizer guns to use, short range, which we actually shortened to make it even more risky. Mm. Uh, I turned to short range. You required, was it a 10 you required to knock them out? Natural 10 was what was needed. Yeah, on the first turn it is natural yeah. 10, yeah. Yeah. Natural 10, and then I think we're adding the round on the more trank darts in him, the easier it yep. was to knock him out. Um, we actually actually looked out and down he went first turn. I was like, oh, that's great. Yep. Uh, knowing full uh, well, he wouldn't stay that way, but he was down. Yeah, he, he didn't stay that way for very long. Well, I think second turn he did stay down, and I was like, oh no, yeah. it's not going to wake up for the rest of the game. It's just going to be asleep, and I'm not, <laughs> not going to be able to get it back. But yeah, then the second turn was you started popping your ghosts up 
Yeah. And I don't like those at all. They're horrible to deal with. Even even now in third edition, they're still yeah. horrible. Drooler, Drooler, and Mister Softy Sailor. Yeah. No, uh, no copyright infringements on those. No copyright infringement. That does remind me. I know I wrote a backstory for Softy Sailor, and I've lost it completely. I'm like, did I give it you? I know I wrote a backstory for him. No, I don't remember. See, I know I wrote it because the whole I wrote the whole thing of why the Softy Sailor was only six foot tall, which was the uh, um, he possessed the mind of an a sailor architect, sailor out at sea, haunted him and driven him mad and forced him to build a building when he got back. Unfortunately, there was a small problem because the, the architect, instead of building a full-size building, built a model village. <laughs> <laughs> so the softy sailor finally manifests. He's stomping around this model village, completely oblivious to the fact there's a problem until the soul hunters turned up. <laughs> that was the backstory to him, I wrote. But I don't if I can find it. I thought it's on my Google Drive. Not in any of my heart. I have no idea where I put this. It's not on. I didn't publish it to the council apparently either. I thought I know I wrote it. <laughs> Lost it. Yeah, I don't. I don't ever remember reading it. Um, so it, you've obviously put it somewhere safe. Yeah, I'll have to. I must have shown it to somebody. But anyway, I did write a backstory of why I've got a staple of marshmallow man that's only six foot tall. But yeah, yeah that's why because the sailor, the, the the architect didn't build a building. He built a model. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yes, so they went stomping round and had fun killing things. Yep. Well, right. no, one of them, uh, Drawler, had fun jumping things. Softy Sailor ran straight into May, who, um, you know, oh, Marshmallow yeah. and raised the sharp claws, who's going to win. Oh, yeah, that that, 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 that inspired my, me to shout out, well, soft white goo everywhere, which probably wasn't the best thing to shout out in public place, was it? No, no. Um, <laughs> it a couple of looks. It did <laughs> confuse a lot of the people in the shop, which was quite funny. But, yeah, he it didn't last very long, sadly. I, I'm not, well, I say sadly, I'm not sad about it or I, I didn't want him to get any, any offence off. So, And then I think I killed the person who summoned him as well in the same round of combat yeah i've got a photo here i'm looking at a photo of ernesto hitting drum with his torrent template i think drum shook that off didn't he yeah i mean so well at the end i'm gonna say let's let's pick a man in the match for our team yeah and drum came very close to being man in the match because he took a ton of punishment he took so much and i was i was kind of skeptical about him but he, he took a just, lot of punishment. Uh, nothing i could do put him down no uh, he he uh he did go down eventually but um, yeah, yeah, he, went down, he went down in the most epic way possible yeah yeah he he we'll get to that really don't it, but he did go down in the epic way and uh, i think he killed he killed drooler eventually and i th- he didn't kill anybody else after that. He tried to kill off one of the other soul hunters. I think he tried to kill off Top Hat Guy, whose name's now escaped me. Ernesto? Yes, Ernesto Volk. He tried to kill off Ernesto Volk, but failed. But his his ranged attack did better than his close range attack, which was kind of surprising. But, yeah. That's just your dice, though, I think, to be honest. To be fair, I was going to say this in the roundup, but... I'll, I'll sort of touch on it a little bit. I didn't. My dice weren't weren't horrible this game. I mean, I had a couple of unlucky things, but I think it was fairly balanced throughout the game, to be honest. 
you were about average. Yeah, I, I'd say I was about average because I managed to hit quite a lot. But it, one of the things I found about the Nautilus Posse, the, there isn't a heck of a lot of good piercing with their weapons. There's a lot of like good little bits and pieces like fatal on crits and things yeah. like that but there's not a lot of piercing generally that I can remember which is a little bit of a letdown because the soul hunters are a little bit higher some of the grits are yeah the problem with soul hunters is you have to spend points to get them to be dangerous because they're, they're tuned mm. but yeah they are when when they can when they get it they can really hurt but yeah, so where were we? So yeah, so we got as we were saying, we've got uh, we got uh, drum having a good old smack smack around in the middle. Yeah. At which point, hang on, let's see. Yeah, you took down the soft the softy sailor, and yeah, then May I can see May taking on taking on hands and killing him, and then we went for I went for something a bit thematic. I thought. We want to see. We want to see an orangutan punch punch a giant dinosaur, don't we? So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm punching the dinosaur. Yeah, history yeah, is right up to him and give him a punch. It, it uh, did actually do some damage. It didn't uh, it knocked it about a little bit, but not, yeah. it didn't do any real damage, which is no. Uh, but it, 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 let's face it, if that if that was if that was a film, you'd that'd be one of those moments where you go, yes, that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to harpoon the dinosaur at one point, but that didn't work. I missed completely. That, that was that was quite amusing. That uh, it just ran up, punched it, and then ran off again. <laughs> <laughs> just because I just wanted to say I punched a dinosaur with a monkey. <laughs> He's an ape, not a monkey. An ape, sorry. Oh god, that's that's terrible. I'm not going to put a monkey sound in there for anybody who's thinking it's going to happen. We should do. It's, it's very, especially as mine's done as like an orangutan. You should definitely put the whole this world thing, isn't it? Yep, yep. Then that was that was turn three, I think, and then turn four is generally where everything happened. Yeah. No yeah. wait, that, that's turn three where everything happened. Turn three and four. Yeah, turn three and four is where things happened. For example, turn. I'm looking at turn three, and that's where Mister Ears went toe to toe with Drum. Yep. Well, I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't hold his own for longer. He took a lot to take him down. Yeah, I went out the way with everything I got. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it was uh, it, every weapon that you had, and it eventually took him down. I, I finished him off with the fist, didn't I? It was, it was the, the southpaw that took you down eventually after hitting you with the Trodon, I think the Trodon Wrangler. Yeah, because um, it shocked me. Yeah. So it did take a lot to get me down. I, I did. I think I got into combat with you first. Yeah. Which is how you got all three actions off. Uh, and I tried to power claw you. And again, there's no piercing on the power claw unless you get a crit. And then it's a minus three. But because I didn't roll a crit, it was just a standard rate of attack one. And he just shrugged it off. And I didn't have any action points left after that. Yeah. It was. It was a little bit disappointing, but yeah. Then he just came in, slammed drum down, and then not not a lot happened in the middle. We I think the dinosaur woke up and turned three. Yeah. I tried to put him down. You tried to put him down, but nobody succeeded. And then not a lot else happened. Oh, I know what I did. May was free, so I pushed her through your portal. Oh yeah. Was on the down to. Warwick. Warwick. 
uh, and try to take him out, thinking, poor old, crippled old man, I can take him on. I was very wrong about that. I, I didn't touch him, and he took a swing at me and nearly killed me, <laughs> which was, I was very, again, I was very shocked at. Clash. Yeah, she did manage to sort of move out of the way. You got elusive, didn't you? So you could just break off. Yeah, I could just break off. So it was it was sort of like I'm I'm I've picked the wrong fight here. I need to try and move away. So that was next turn. That was turn four where I did that. What else happened in turn three? Not a lot else I can remember. Can you remember anything else that happened in yeah. turn three? I can see Jurunga, I can see Oh Ernesto Anesto being desperate and trying to take down Harjit Sting with his uh, with his Turret weapon and yes, and yeah. ears was fine. He was, but so was yeah. Harding Singh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was quite a sort of like. I, I need to try and take down Singh. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try and get this so I don't get Mister Ears at the same time. And you couldn't manage it, so it was just like, a, well, sod it. I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> sorry, bud. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, pal. But them's the breaks. But he's Everybody fine. was fine. Everybody was fine. Is no harm, no foul. Yeah, so hard it's saying, but you know. <laughs> then turn four yeah. is a god Mr. Ears just went on a rampage. Yeah. He killed Emo, he killed Darwin, and then he killed Singh. Fortunately for me, Singh has dying breath and he managed to just just scrape a wound onto onto Mr. Ears that he yeah. couldn't yeah metal or anything i just took too much by that point yeah and yeah so it was a, an absolute slaughterhouse and fun and just if, how if that again it's one of those thematic if it was a film this would look epic yeah just killing everybody and fun hard it's saying just as he dies putting a putting a knife or something into into the orangutan's heart yeah it was it was an epic fight in the middle and everybody died and then i believe volk moved in to try and take out Charlotte. Yeah. At which point she was she was fed up as she was like sidelined and running away from dinosaurs and, and sort of off on the the left side of the board. She wasn't really doing a lot and she managed to to take him down, which I was quite happy with. Hang on, she talks. Wait a bit, Volk's. T- I've got a photo of Volk taking Smee down, and I can see. Oh yes, I forgot. Shark still standing. Yeah, it was. He took. He took Smee down, didn't he? Yeah. I forgot about that. And then Charlotte took. Yes. Charlotte took him down afterwards, and, and you started then... to move everybody into the dinosaur, yeah. and then Project Barnum decided. She was hungry. To... <laughs> yep. <laughs> She wanted into the game. She was quite hungry, uh, and she just gobbled down Charlotte. After she'd just become useful, she just off the board instantly. Yeah. Rolled the ten and the minus four pierce gulp down. We should point out now that's two games for two where the, that's that's exactly what the every time we play it's been an eat. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> not been like when it's the dinosaur's turn. It's not been anything other than eat. There are like. I think I've done five different attacks that it can do. One of them is it decides to retreat, and it it's never done that in in all the games. It's always eaten somebody else. If you do a through with your greys on the last game, it did and scatter all your greys. Yeah, out it scattered all my greys all over the place. But then it just um, the, then it just had shot uh, Helena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it gobbled down 
Anna. Which Charlotte Anning. At sorry. which point you've literally I think you've literally only got Broad Arrow Jack left. Yep. Well no, because I've got May left, but then it No. Yeah, you're right. In turn four, May then goes down to Hudson again because he despite me trying to run away and bravely retreat, he just charged back in and whopped her with the Big metal fist. Big metal fist, and um, she went down. Yeah. So uh, science. <laughs> so, turn five, I literally had Broad Arrow Jack, who was just within range of trying to trank the dinosaur. Decided to give it a shot and hit, but wasn't able to knock it out, unfortunately. And then you decided to have a go as well. Yeah, I took last ditch because by this point action point why victory points wise where were we victory points wise before i took the dinosaur down i believe it was three three two to you wasn't it you were actually winning at that point yeah um so my only hope of winning at this point because i didn't have the victory point cards was if the dinosaur went to sleep at the end of that turn i would have got the victory points because i'd have been the one that put it down got a victory point for knocking it out the first time and if it was still down it was your shot that did it at the end of at the end of the game mm-hmm. you you got more points so that was my so i did it and it just fluked out i think it was cat that did it yep took the trank shot and down the dinosaur went yep down it went and it was it was a very lucky couple of rolls in the last sort of Last activation of the, yeah, the game. My last roll of the game. It was all or nothing. Yep, and um, it, it paid off. Paid off pretty good, uh, and and that was it really. That's what I like about the game so much. It's literally that last turn can be the the victory from the jaws of defeat or vice yep. versa. It, it's happened both of our three games. You managed to pull out the last one point, or in this case, five points. So it was, yeah. uh, uh, it was quite a victory in the end. But again, it's down to that last roll and it's down to the the positioning or whatever. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. No, it really isn't this game because you, if, you can, if you've got the cards for it, you can pull it out of the bag. I'll say, sort of a wrap-up for me, like I said, the Soul Hunter, the Soul Hunters, the Nautilus crew feel like they haven't got a lot of piercing broad arrow jack's got a bit and drum's got a bit but drum feels drum feels a little clumsy like he's got a low he's got a low aim stat so he doesn't hit very much but the the gun is quite good and he's got a good fight stat but unless you roll that crit his claw isn't great being rate of attack one point uh, piercing nothing it's sort of a you know, you've got to do you've got to do spectacularly to really mm. guarantee anything good from him, unless you're going for soft targets, yeah. which he doesn't feel like he should be chasing. Like- he should be, you know, in the face of people like Mister Ears and and the dinosaur. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be thinking. I don't want to put this big, hefty suit into. What's it? I think it'd be a good objective holder, perhaps. I was just about uh, to say his durability means you can't. If you get him, if you can get him in position, you can't shift him. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. Like usually, I'll go. Oh, my dice rolls weren't very good, or you know, the cards weren't with me this time. To be honest, this game, all of the stuff was me. But I just made a few very simple tactical errors that I thought afterwards maybe I should have done like I, I should have 
deployed slightly differently. I thought a three and three deployment, like all my strong, all my really strong guys all together in a clump as sort of like hunt down your posse and get the points that way. And then my slightly weaker guys I can just use to try take pot shots with the what's it. The problem with that was once all my other guys had gone down, there was no one left to really take on the rest of your guys. Yeah. And it, I felt very underpowered because I had Smee, I had Broad Arrow Jack, and I had Charlotte Anning. And they're all pretty much out of the game for mm. most of the game. But you had utilised all of your posse really well and kept them not really close, but close enough to support each other really well. And yeah, they... what I've learned from the other games I've played with them, that you can't split the Soul Hunters up too much. They are not able... They're not able to take out... Especially if they're outnumbered. That you've got only two torrent weapons in there, and if you lose those, you really are stuffed against large numbers. So I kept together so they could back each other up and so on and put maximum because again, you've got to you're relying on your attuned to do damage, which has a point which is difficult. You need to focus it so you since you're doing a points cost, and some of them you only get that attuned if you roll the crit. So yeah. you pay the point, but you may not get it. Am I, hang on, am I remembering version two there? Am I, am I, am I, am I having, am I having version blur again? Don't know. I can't remember, but yeah, it's they're, they're soul hunters are a tricky one to use well. Mm. Um, they can be, they can be very powerful, but they are, if you're not careful, if once they start getting picked off, you're in trouble. Yeah, I feel like that. Um... Again, I, I should have kept mine bubbled up together more because Darwin's got his Sawbones so I can re-roll failed grit checks for free. Although that wouldn't save Nemo because I remember rolling a 1 for her save. So the thing could have really done that. But I think for, for Drum and for people like that, having that Sawbones, that extra definite re-roll, especially once Nemo died and I've got no fortune for re-rolls at all for my posse that would would have made a, a lot of difference just being able to re-roll the grit checks because I didn't bubble up so everybody was close together didn't didn't happen unfortunately yeah it's it's a learning thing isn't it we're just we're, I mean it's like this is literally only a third time I've run Soul Hunters yep uh, it's the first time I've run Nautilus Crew uh, and I enjoyed playing with them I just think next time I would play them differently I don't think so my MVP for the match was actually May because I felt like she having her undercover and being able to pop up and hop around and then take out a ghost and a soul hunter in one turn was pretty impressive. My MVP definitely Mr. Ears. The this the this mid mid game slaughter fest that he went through was just epic. It was. Yes. <laughs> Raging orangutan, just goes, rah, rah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you want to see. Yeah. That's I why think, I got it. <laughs> I underestimated him slightly. I just thought Drum will deal with him, no problems. I don't need to, to worry about him much. But yeah, I underestimated him to my to my detriment. That was another one of the tactical errors that I think I made. Is I I just looked at Drum and thought he'll do fine against Mister Ears. And while he did do okay, he if I'd have thrown a little bit at him before I threw drum at him. I think maybe it would have been a different fight. Live and learn uh, next time. Next time I'll be a bit more careful with him, I think. 
Well, there's always the next. There's always the next match, but we think you're doing different posses next match. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna run another posse that I haven't. Well, posses that I haven't done before. I'm gonna try a 150 points game, and I'm gonna run my my hex posse for the first time ever. I'm going to be running Enlightened, but I'm going to be running two bosses I've not used yet. Uh, my new shinies, I'm going to be running Victor Vital's Tainted Biology, backed up with Burst and Carpathian's Father Enlightened, full full posses for both. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun, I hope. Yeah, we're going to see. I've got a lot of big, nasty things dirt to bring with me. It's going to be a super, super elite force which is either going to be nasty or is going to be another case where once I've lost one or two people I'm really going to feel it because so I've got no there's no support things in mine mine is a very aggressive it's attacking me it. yeah it, it is dive into the well, to be, to be fair, the, the the models you've got, we're talking the Dark Nation set here, and you've got, you're planning on bringing, is it Legendary Marie you're planning on bringing as well, an OP? Yeah, that's just, that is yeah. just Wrecking Ball. Yeah. And if I let you, you'll just smush straight through everything I've got, because, you know, mine aren't that, what I've bought. Victor, Victor and maybe some of the Brutes aside, they're not that durable. <laughs> not, you know they're going to smush right through the middle if I let you. So I'm going to have to think about exactly how I'm going to deal with you. Yeah, I mean I've got Vorket now as well. Thanks to you, I've got the, um, oh, the, the mole man pop up that I can do. So thanks for that. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great idea. Just uh, yeah, <laughs> that one. Why can't do an unexpected arrival out of the ground? That's what you want from a mole man. And yep. I'm so glad that they took that and put that on that rule. Then I remember that you'd actually got him, and I thought I'm not going to enjoy that too much. Yeah, I mean he's he's got like a move of three now. I mean he was slow before; he's even slower now. So having to be able yeah. to pop up in the middle of the the battlefield is going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Speaking of popping up in the middle of battlefields, how is your hotmeister painting going? Slow. <laughs> I um, so I'll I'll talk about building them up. I was a little bit intimidated by the sprue because it looks like you look at the parts and you're like, I have no idea how any of this is going to go together to make a hotmeister. And then you look at the instructions. You're like, all right, okay, okay, okay. Once you put one together, it's a it's a dot. So I was quite happy. One of them didn't stick together properly and I've slightly ruined it I think because the glue just went everywhere you know when sometimes with the plastic glue oh. uh, and it just comes out in like a waterfall I and wasn't it just melt everything on the way down yeah and it just went all over its helmet and stuff and it was just like oh I think I've ruined that head now it's not going to look quite as good but it comes to um, two ends, you could have just rebuilt the other head. No, well, the like the helmet part is. Uh, it's, there's a, there's a common part in the middle, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, the, the common part. Then you've got the face grill and like the uh, crest on the top, oh. and they they are the only things that are variable, and the rest of it is all exactly the same. So, and that's the part that's got all the glue over it. 
Uh, you can always try and stalk it as battle as well, I was kind of, but I don't know. Battle damage. <laughs> yeah. It could be battle damage. Yeah, I could uh, I could try and, and redo it. But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed building them. I've got them all sprayed up now, and uh, the bases are painted. I just need to get the paint on the rest of them next. But yeah. I thought the mace edition was a nice surprise. Getting the fact that you can have either a sword or a mace was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, when I looked on the back of the box, it was like um, extra option. I saw the mace and I was like, ooh, I'm building me one of those because that looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see what they do and see how that actually works. Because it's, it's not standard attack. It's actually a it's an assault board. It counts as an assault, doesn't it? So it's using your fray values. And so the ship you're hitting should have a better chance of surviving because fray can go either way. Assault can go either way. Yeah, assault is difficult and the there's something that I'm not 100% clear on. So in the Perium Orbat, there is something called Lightning Assault, which the Hockmeisters have. And what it basically says is if if there's a flagship in your unit or in, in this unit, then you gain plus one for every weapon with a Voltaic or Arc quality. Now your swords, or slash bases don't have that quality but the guns that are on your shoulders if you've got the bolt gun battery have voltaic on them and the only way that you get flagships in a hockmeister is if you take the full hockmeister fleet yeah. and it makes every every one in the fleet a uh, flagship so but i'm not sure if it's like thematically speaking what i imagine it is is as it's charging in, it's also firing its guns. So I think those, absolutely, yes. Those two guns are going to add to the fray value. It's not that the sword doesn't have it, so it, you don't get it. It's the fact that those two guns on your shoulders. I might be wrong, and that might not be how it's intended. I can't think know. of any other way it would be intended, because as you say, the sword isn't electrified, and the Metzger is a different unit. So, yeah. yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's not 100% clear, but that's the way I understand it. You know, it like, yeah, it makes it's going to charge in and fire that... its guns off at, uh, yeah. at the same time. So, But yeah, I think if I remember rightly, when I was reading it, so you get, they've got a fray value of four or five. Let me just, before I start going on about something and I'm wrong, let me just open. So, I'm oh, just reading all that now, and I can't find the draw you're talking about. Is it on the fleet? Is it on the battle fleet or the Hockmeister itself? Which one's that? Sorry, the rule where you talk about what they need the electro cannons. Uh, it's on the Hockmeister themselves. Hang on, back down then. It's called Lightning Assault. It's under their special rules. Right then, okay. Ferdinand Hockmeister. Desults the unexpected Vitruvian inspirational. Amphibious. Lightning Assault. I can see it on their list of special rules, but not... I think it's actually one of the fleet... Uh, the oh, Imperium... Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so, they have got... They've got a frame of eight. Yeah, I'm reading that, and I'm agreeing with you, because th this is the way it's written. Any model in this unit attempting an assault action dice plus one to its assault action dice for each weapon listed with the arc or voltaic quality. Yeah. Online has a storm generator against plus two, so it's not the weapon itself. 
It's I'm coming in, zapping you with lightning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I. That's how I'm reading that. So yeah, the Hawkmaster definitely gets that if he's got the right shoulder cannons on. Yep. Because you can swap them out for missile batteries, but if you're going to take the full Hawkmaster fleet, you leave those Volt gun batteries on because they're going to add assault. So your assault is your fray. Yeah. Which is eight for un undamaged Hawkmaster. Then you get plus five for the sword. Yeah. So that's thirteen, and then you get plus two for each, uh, plus one for each cannon. So that's another two. So that is fifteen. So you're getting fifteen dice, and then you add in your if you've got two friends. Yeah. They can two dice each, but I think there's a thing in in here that says they can add more than that. Each model in the unit gains plus three. You'd for each additional model in coherency. So instead of plus two, yeah. you get plus three. So, so the black blitz blitz slags by hander. Yep. Lightning so sword slide out two handed sword or some kind of blitz means lightning. That's an extra six dice for the other two guys if you're taking yeah. the full Hawkmaster fleet. So that's that's twenty one dice. <laughs> that you'd need yeah. Anything other than a one of the bigger cruisers or the battleships are going to, you know, you hit the small cruisers with that, they're not going to survive that. No, well, so what it is, is to counter the assault, <laughs> is it's your citadel value plus your highest air or sea defense. So, depending on the citadel value and what yeah. sort of air and submersible defense they've got, is how many dice they're rolling. So, if you're going up, let's have a look at have a look at the Ice Maiden just just as a saying I've got the Imperium all about open already. You won't be hitting an Ice Maiden, that's on your side. Hey, right, I know. Let's look but, at what you are going to hit. Let's go for what's the big bad for the Commonwealth? Uh, as, a, as that literally is the next one on my thing, Commonwealth. So let's go the all about. So their big bad would be the well, we know it's coming soon. Their um. Or the the big do the donut of doom, isn't it? The oh, the Mamansk. The Mamansk. Let's have a look at their Mamansk. Surely that's got something. Um... Mamansk. Okay, so a Mamansk has a citadel of eleven, mm -hmm. and uh, an eight either way for its ADV. So eight. So that's 19. rolling nineteen dice. So I mean, eh. um, and that's the biggest baddest thing that they've got. So like you say, rolling against cruisers, and it's not it. You're rolling defense, like, yeah. and if you get, I think it has to be more than four damage is oh. where it starts to take damage. Otherwise, you just gain disordered chaos, Ooh. and a critical damage marker is three to four, and then after four damage, every damage after four. So if you get six damage, you'd all you'd take two Ooh. points of damage. So t attacking a cruiser is probably your your smartest. Potentially, I guess you'd have to look at the because some some ships have got really high air defense or really high submersible defense. So you need to uh, need to pick your targets smartly. Yeah, well, I'm looking at, for example, the standard is the Kutsov. I've got sitting there ten and an air defense of four, so that's fourteen. Yeah, so it's like six dice over that, and you're rolling defenses instead of hits yeah. and exploding hits. So. You know, it's, it's... yeah, it's going to be. I mean, of course, I think as we 
worked out the other of course the correct way to use a hockmeister is activate last on let's say for example the end of turn one pop up smash and then activate first on turn two yeah. then we realize there's probably going to be an issue with that because you're likely to be out with a especially with an imperial fleet you're likely to be outnumbered because of the high cost of your vessels yeah. you're not cheap yeah i mean because then you're definitely not cheap it's so, 155 even... points for a um for hockmeister one hockmeister so four hockmeisters like over 400 points it's nearly a, a third of your battle fleet before yeah, you so definitely going to be even if you do the pop up late pop down you're still going to take some fire yeah you're not going to be able to sink quick enough to avoid getting shot completely and a hockmeister it's not invulnerable looking at its stats no no it's definitely not invulnerable <clears throat> Let's have a look. It's got, let's see, Citadel of 12. That's, I mean, that's respectable. Hull of only five, though, and two on crippled. So it's, you know, it can take damage. Where's its armor class? A class. I'm looking for A, isn't it, for armor class? Yeah. Yeah, eight. Yeah, it's definitely beat. If it stays up for too long, you know, something like an enlightened cruiser is going to tear it apart. If it gets in range of the frigate squadron, it's dead. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be so careful where you're going to pop it up. Yeah. You've got to be smart with them. And to be honest with you, if if I was running a competitive list, I think I'd probably only have just a single Hockmeister. I might even yeah. have a Metzger instead because it's got the long range capabilities. So I don't know. Glass cannon. Yeah. Well, it's not it's not that glass, but it's still it's not it's not solid. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it depends on like what else you've got in your fleet, I guess. Yeah. Like, is is it the biggest risk? I mean, yeah, sure, it can go down and pop up, but on its own, like it's only going to be doing fifteen dice maximum. Yeah, and especially if you're doing the go down pop up thing, you're yeah. only going to be attacking maybe three turns. Yeah out of the five because two of them you're going to be submerged yeah i mean is it worth putting it against small frigate squadrons or small submarine squadrons maybe to guarantee it's definitely going to take down when it's hitting uh, it's a big point sink for that. Is a squadron of frigate are you assaulting one frigate or all of them oh uh, just one because you only assault a single model at a time so you're yeah. not you're not you, def you definitely take it but then you've got the other I mean, I, I always run frigate squadrons at max size. You've got five other frigates now in point-blank range. Yeah, but because of how frigates are, generally they've only got forward and port and starboard, so you could potentially pop them up behind the squadron and uh, yeah. they're not going to be able to turn fully enough to bring everything to bear on you uh, in a single that's turn. A that's a good point, yes. But uh, is it worth... Is that 155 points just to take out a couple of frigates every turn? It's not a good use of it. So you know you've you've got to. We're going to have to test it at some point. We're going to have, We're to, gonna have to test it. But but let's be honest, it looks epic. You're going to oh, want I mean, to play it just because it looks epic. I'm I'm <laughs> definitely going to buy another box just to build the alternate versions. I may never use them again after we play the first game. We'll see. But they're incredible models. They are absolute. They're some of the most detailed models that 
I've seen from Dystopian Wars. Like we've said that before that Dystopian Wars plastics have gone from strength to strength to strength. This is like the pinnacle. Like this is this is probably as good as Games Workshop plastics. I would say I would say it's probably the best plastics I've I've seen for a long time. A long time. Super detailed. I love them. I, I, they I, are great. I haven't, I haven't seen anything that Warcraft have ever put out that I've not liked. Not, you know, maybe not, not bought them because I don't, you know, don't prove them, but I've loved this, the aesthetics and everything. I don't think there's anything I don't like. DW especially, I've loved every boat that comes out. Yeah, DW has been the, the, the one for me. There has been stuff in my West Texas where I'm just like, that's not for me. But and that's just personal preference. But Dystopian Wars, I've really struggled because I like all the different aesthetics for the ships, and they are so unique. Each each one's got, you know, its, it's design cues and stuff. Yeah, you can. T- it, it. I mean, you can look at them and just go, yeah, I get which which faction this plays. If you knew nothing about this game, mm. for example, the American ships, you're looking at a paddle steamer. It doesn't take a great leap of imagination to go, that's an American. Yeah, when we see the French, I mean, we've, we've seen the concept art for the French ships, so their lovely scroll work and everything on them, everything about them just screams French. Yeah. Yes. Can't wait to sink those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm kind of um, surprised we haven't seen any any more for the French yet, but we'll talk about it in the news. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed building them. I can't wait to to paint them up because they're gonna, and I can't wait to see the people's painted stuff, especially like. Um, Cohen's and Gary Connell's, both those guys do amazing work, and I imagine Brian's probably going to get some as well and paint them up, and he does great work as well. So, super looking forward to what those guys do with them because they're gonna they're gonna be incredible. I mean, Daz's stuff is already amazing. So, like, what what people come up with in their heads, it's always fun to see. So, yeah, super looking forward to seeing what everybody does with them. Yay. Okay, so yeah, that's where we're at with DW. So something I know you've been posting on the council quite a bit, but you have picked up a box of Army Painters speed paints to do some painting with the Wild West Exodus stuff with. So how are you finding those? I really like them. Um, I've got the basic starter set, so I've got 10 colours to go with at the moment, and I've been using them on the Father of the Enlightened set. I went out and got the uh, recommended army paint. I don't know, obviously, I could use any spray, but I got some army paint spray and I got the necrotic flesh one because that's going to save me a lot of work because obviously the brutes and so on are going to be necrotic flesh anyway. Did them all that and I've started using them. I've done, I've completed harmony with them, most of it. I just because I've only got 10 colors meant there were times where I thought oh, I haven't got speed paint that does this. I'm going to use one of the other army paint paints I've got. Just for a few bits, like the metallics and the blood splatter. But yeah, on the whole, really, really like them. I have used a couple of GW contrasts, but I have only got literally a handful of them, just because they were really expensive and I didn't have the money to buy them all. But I am going to go all in on the speed paints. The rest of the paints that are out there will be released next month individually, and I'll buy them all. So effectively, I'll have the same as the Mega Set, but I'll have it a bit earlier. Yeah, what I'm planning on doing. I've really liked them. The colours look fantastic. The one I've had problems with is the Gravelord Grey. Mm-hmm. I think just because they used, I used it on Carpathian's coat, 
and there's a lot of ripples to Carpathian's coat, and there's a lot of flat area as well. And it kind of pulled funny. I'm not sure if I did something wrong. I was like, eh, I'm not so keen on how that's gone. Uh, so I've gone over that with just flat black for now. I then used the, the gray on, I've used it on one of the dogs, yeah. and it worked a lot better. Okay. Right there, so I literally just doused the whole thing in the gray. And yep. that, because the dog is so bumpy, I've used it on uh, Pollux. Um, yep. Because he's so bumpy, it gave him a nice gray look and it looked a lot better. So I think I, the only reason it didn't look right on Carpathian was just because the, the shape of the coat. It's mainly flat. There are some ripples in it, but it just didn't give a nice, it looked very worn and sort of faded out like he'd been wearing it for ages and ages and ages, which wasn't a bad look, but it didn't look right for Carpathian. I wanted him to have a nice smart black coat. Yeah. And I've repainted over that. But otherwise, there's only two colors I haven't had a chance to use yet, and I will use them uh, coming up. The Pallid Bone, uh, I can't remember the name of the other one I haven't used yet. But I will get to use them at some point. It's just I haven't got around to the right miniature to use those colours. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. I, we've, I've seen loads of YouTube videos. And of course, Army Painter have given them out to decent painters. <laughs> so they can do amazing things with them. I thought, well, I'm not a decent painter. I'm an okay painter at best. And I thought, is it going to work for me? And yeah, I'm like, it's, it's quick. It's easy. And it looks pretty good when you've done it. So yeah. I heartly recommend for the, for those regular guys out there that aren't Cohen and <laughs> Brian <laughs> and Gary for the rest of for the rest of us mere mortals with paintbrushes. <laughs> yep. yep, it's definitely worth having a look at. Uh, if nothing else, they're actually cheaper per bottle than uh, GW's Contrast. They're a lot cheaper, aren't they? They're like a a pound fifty. About a pound fifty cheaper, cheaper. especially if you buy them with some money off, like. Yep. Uh, War Cradles, Wayland Games are currently selling them with at least 10% off at the moment. They're recommended price, so buy them while you can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have been keeping my own. I'm quite deeply invested in contrast, so, but there are some colours in the contrast range that I don't, you don't get consistent results from them. I think Cloudburst Blue for the Army Painter looks to be a better version of Ultramarine's Blue. Ultramarine's Blue is horrible. Everybody says it's horrible, and it is. It like one time you'll put it on and it looks like a darker blue, and then the next time you put it on, it's like a lighter blue, and then sometimes it's it it's like really thin and doesn't work properly. It's just my my lad has been using the I I got him because he's got we bagged an old old box of um, Epic Scale Space Marine, like literally first edition uh, from some. We found it basically. He found it in his. One of his maths, his, his school maths cupboard, right at the back, and his maths teacher was like, "Yeah, you can have that." And we were painting them up, and he tried to paint them up the land, some of the land raiders. Now, yep. those first edition land, basically they're boxes. They're lots of flat area. There's not a lot mm. of huge amount of detail on that contrast paint. For me. We've painted them dark angel green, or yep. the alleys. I'll be honest with you, it's not gone like it's not a nice consistent flat green. It's all blob because the way I paint the contrast works it's gone blobby yeah so he would have probably been better off if I bought a proper pot, proper pot of paint I mean he's happy enough with the results yeah of that's all that matters you know he's 11 years old and he's happy with the results there but yeah. I'm looking at it thinking I probably should have got you the standard paint not the con I thought the contrast would work easier but because they're so boxy and flat and they don't have a huge amount of details because what not, what did we worked out? They were 1989 they came out? No, even yeah. 
uh, probably later than that. 1989, something like that. Uh, you know, <laughs> basic epic scale models then were really, really basic. On the other hand, I think if I want to start doing the actual individual Marines with them, the six six mil guys, they're just going to get blob for contrast paint. Like, there you go, done. <laughs> That's I mean, that'll be great for that. Yeah, <laughs> but not so good for the land raiders. I mean, I've I've heard a couple of reviews say that the army painter speed paints do work better on the flat areas because they're not they're not looking to pull in the recesses quite so much they are looking to that like they cover nice and evenly so maybe give uh, give the army painter stuff a go on those instead of the contrast because should work better in theory yes well, uh, well we'll we'll definitely give it a play i'm i'm using them as much as i can for now uh just to see what they'll do uh so basically my father in is mostly going to get done with army paint uh, speed paint with a few so where colours aren't available, I will do with other colours. Cool. So, Sam's endorsement. Yes. Go buy an Army Painter's speed paint range because it's good. Yes. Send me some more. <laughs> <laughs> Dear uh, Army Painter. Dear Army Painter, yes. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely nobody on uh, on podcast. Please send me some of your Army Painters. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a whole 80-odd viewers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We love you all, 80 viewers. Don't let some. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that's it. I think we're going to move on to the news. From the pages of the Interbellum Illuminator, the latest field intel. The news. So our first piece of uh, intel is the sighting of the new... Japanese frontline squadrons to reinforce Battlefleet Congo. Yep. Still lovely looking ships. Yeah, uh, with ridiculous amount of options for their cruisers. Yep. Uh, just an obscene amount of and a tiny little squid. So who can say no to a tiny little robot squid? They're great. They are indeed great. I I re I I keep saying I'm going to buy the Japanese fleet because they are the one. I've got enough enlightened. I've got everything I possibly have for the enlightened now. Yeah. We'll bring something else out. And I did say Japanese would be my second fleet. I did like the Chinese Ningjing fleet, but it didn't quite force me to get my hand in my pocket because it was com coming out at a time when I was putting my hand in my pocket for a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. um, and I do really, really, really want this fleet. Mm -hmm. So, oh, at some point I will get, I will get it. Yeah. Right now, my son has more DW stuff than I do. He has two things <laughs> on the go. I only have one. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, he, he he has he has basically co-opted my Commonwealth, and he's got his own uh, Union fleet as well. Yep, yep. So he's quite happy with this month's release, as we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine he's um, a bit giddy. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot more to say on that because we've already talked about the aesthetics and the, yeah. the options and all that stuff. We've covered it all before, so but they are really nice. I'm not so keen on them, but I do like the little robot squids. I think they're ace. I can't wait to see what the big, what the big version of those they get. Oh, uh, yeah, there is a big version, isn't there? So that'd be yeah. interesting to see. Yes, there's going to be something. Their their version, their colossi is going to be very interesting when we see that. Mm, yeah, I did. Uh, uh, I'm going to sidetrack because ever so slightly, I did wonder about 
like with the crown, are they going to get a Colossus? I can't remember them still. I don't think they do. I don't think we'd have to look at the Orbat, but I don't remember a Colossi of any kind being under the crown. No, I'm, I'm still torn um, about whether to get the crown or not. I might, I might go in on the Commonwealth potentially because I do like their Colossus for theirs as well. The uh, big, like nuclear funnel-looking thing that they've got. I'm trying to remember because I know st when I interviewed Stuart, he did tell me the name of it, and it's gone from my head. Mm. The, the, only, the, the, the only word that keeps... Get, I keep telling my brain, no, I know not that. I know that's what it looks like, but it's not that. That's not what they've called it. No, he did give it... An, I'll have to go listen. We'll have to go listen back to the episode again because I know Stuart does tell me exactly what it's called. Mm. I yeah. Can't yeah, I remember him saying it, but I can't remember the word either. But yeah, I'm, I'm very... I'm, I'm holding off to see what they look like because with the hot monsters looking so awesome, they look even better in the artwork uh, with the axe hand and the cryo head and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But yeah, sidetrack over. Uh, sidetrack just... over, yeah. So next on the list is your... I think this has probably made you happier than anything else because you literally said, wouldn't it be nice if we had this in one podcast and then literally less than two months later, you get it? Yep, yep. <laughs> Mystic's got, what can I say? We're talking about the Red Oak town set here, where we think, well, we've had the Red Oak before, but now it ain't, well, it was blue before, but now it's in full colour. Yeah, full coloured Red Oak. And not only is it in full colour, it now has the cat house and saloon. Brian mentioned in the council that they now have interiors, which they didn't have before, apparently. Mm -hmm. So it's been coloured and fitted out as well so yeah i'm looking at the interiors now yes they have got i mean it basically it's, just, it's a couple of floors but yes the ground floor does have bar area a little looks like a little st steps up to the front door mm. and yeah yes the if you haven't gone into war cradle scenics yet this is definitely a good place to start it is a little more expensive than the others but you are getting some pretty big buildings in here. The yeah. saloon and the cat house are ginormous. They are big buildings. You're also getting the creme yep. crematorium, which is just full of little features to look at. Shacks. I think it's the jailhouse on here. I can't remember if the jailhouse is on here. No, I don't think no. it is. No, that must be on the set. This is it's, it's called set one, so we can expect yep. set two, which will probably contain all the other red oak stuff that we're familiar with the gallows the clock tower and so on mm -hmm. yeah so i was you... gonna say it, it says town set one so you would assume town sets two is coming because there's a couple of other buildings that are left uh, i think yeah the miners shack and stuff in that one as well don't set one yeah uh, you get all the fences and boxes you get quite a bit of scatter in that so yeah i'm I'm very happy because there are a couple of bits in there that I'm not going to buy the full town set because I don't have the room for it. But there are a couple of bits in there that I definitely want now they're coloured. Not the saloon or cat house because they're just huge and I can't fit them anywhere. But the miner's shack with the little bits and pieces would be great for... There is um, a jail. I've just realised that building is a jail. Is it? Yeah, it's the jail. The one with all the sort of the broken veranda roof, it's the jail. Huh. Yeah, it says jail on it. So that sweet. means that the, it's the blacksmiths, the water tower, the clock tower, the gallows, the 
the metal smith's actually in here so you got the metal smith the metal smith in here the jail's in here the small shack with the horse the cart and the outhouse and then there's the yeah that's it so yeah there's most of the big buildings on here so the other one is going to be the gallows the watchtower Ooh. can't think what else to be in the other one my brain's gone dead and what's on the the full range of red oak yeah i can't remember i thought i didn't think i'd seen the the uh blacksmith obviously and then it's got they've got some townhouses yeah i can't think what else there is can't be that much else probably going to look at the um the red oak and realize that actually there's loads more in the set that's going to be coming but yeah i uh I quite like that they've done the coloured version. It definitely needs it. And also, it's kind of nice that some of the stuff's still the same blue colour as the old stuff. So if you bought yeah. the old stuff and painted it, that that blue colour is still part of the theme of it. So it's yes. not it's not completely alienating the old stuff. It's still inclusive of that, but it's just not all completely blue like it used to be. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. We'll keep it at that. But I, I just realised as, as we're, I'm scrolling through the pictures, trying to see what it is, I just realised there's a bloody list at the bottom, isn't there? What there is? Yeah. The creme, the cat house, the saloon, the bridge, the jail, the scatter, some scattered terrain, the metal smith, and the prospector's shack. Yep. So yeah, we should have been looking there. Never mind. But yeah, what a set. Love it. Yeah, great set. Okay then, so, and now the two really exciting releases for this one. So, this one's got me pretty excited because it is for my faction. Mm -hmm. It is the Sickle Gyro Cav for the Enlightened. Basically, air support for the Enlightened. Yeah. We got we got uh, firepower, and uh, it's it's mounting twin Gatlings. We can see on the th we haven't we haven't seen the card yet, so we can see twin Gatlings. If it's got anything else mounted on it, we can't see that. It looks it basically looks like I think sort of a green a giant green goblin guider with a construct sticking out the top of it. it yeah, it's got your typical enlightened construct pilot with no arms wired in directly to the to it so yeah. if it's a construct it's probably going to have something like fail safe detonator or something like that on it as well yeah. so uh, into things then explode yeah yeah i mean it's it's got to be fast in theory but you know like you say we haven't seen the card so god knows it could be it could be fast it could be slow but powerful could have ram maybe um don't know but yeah, there's... Fast. i think i think fast is the way I would describe the look. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, and what do you, this interesting thing about this, this now takes us into completely unknown territory. This was the last thing we had teased. Can't think of anything we've had else teased, really. No. Um, so after now, who knows? Mm, completely into the unknown. Well, I, there is Dylan Callis artwork oh there's artwork there. out there yeah we've seen artwork and so on so there are a few things that are teased that are out there but this the sick well, we saw the packaging art for the pickle yeah yeah we have um, seen but then that was what two years ago two years ago that was yeah, wasn't two it? years ago was in 
the star yeah. lockdown, wasn't it? So yeah, we did we did check the actually the artwork has changed considerably so from the original that we were shown. Yeah, where we were shown a very small photo. Yeah, yeah, because it, 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 it was a lost It was a lost world Exodus box originally, wasn't it? It was, yes. Uh, I suspect this will probably be Lost World Exodus Exodusable. Yes, I imagine. Sorry, I imagine it will be. It's also worth having a check of the blur. The, as, I've, I've, as I often say, the little backstories they write for these are full of little nuggets. The names they mention here, they're historical and they're worth a Google. Ludwig Berblinger, that that is a gentleman of um, eyebrow-raising... Eye bonkersness and he was a real person the stuff he attempted may would have raised eyebrows even now he was oh yeah i can do it what <laughs> Just, basically he tried to invent the wingsuit okay <laughs> yeah in the 1800s didn't work <laughs> i'm shocked shocked <laughs> This is a real thing. Uh, he's worth a Google. I, I read that and I thought, basically, you're telling me he tried to invent the wingsuit. Ooh. <laughs> and a hang, a hang glider and a wingsuit, I think he tried to invent. Okay. Right. I, I may be misremembering now, but he definitely invented some things that raised up, didn't work, and certainly raised some eyebrows at the time. He was a gentleman of Albrecht Bergling, Burblinger. Okay. Uh, famous construction of a working flying machine, presumably a hang glider. Oh, yeah, well, there weren't any drawings of it, but he tried to make a hang glider. That was it. Right. Okay. One of Burbling, here it is from Wikipedia. One of Burbling's inventions appears to be a hang glider. He worked on it for years, improving it, watching the flight of owls. People made fun of him, and he was threatened to exclusion from his guild. He was ordered to pay a large fine for working outside the guild. Nevertheless, he invested his whole income in the project. And King Frederick of... Württemberg became interested in his work and sponsored him 20 Louis. He tried to demonstrate the glider on the evening of 30th May 1811 in the presence of the king, his three sons, Crown Prince of Bavaria, the king and large number of citizens awaited, but he cancelled it, claiming the glider was damaged. The next day he made a second attempt from a higher location. The king had left by this time, but his brother, his brother Heinrich could stay to watch. He's waited for a good wind, giving a final a policeman finally gave him a push and he fell into the Danube. <laughs> okay. the accounts mentioned, no mention of the policeman claimed that the difference in temperature over the cold Danube limited fernal updrafts. The story of the tailor who subsequently tried to fly is, it was published and so it's sort of an urban legend, but it is based in some truth. In 1986, it was proven that his glider was capable of sustained flight, but it's almost impossible to cross the Danube, even with most modern gliders, simply because it's cold and you need thermal updraft. Yeah. So unfortunately, you picked the wrong place. Yeah. Oops. Definitely a real person. Yep. Look, looks good. Twin the Gatlins are always scary. So. Yeah. It's definitely worth getting. It's a beautiful looking thing. Yeah, well, beautifully in an ugly sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. We're sort of different opinion on the aesthetics of it. I love it. Yeah. I I don't mind it. I think like adding some random bits to it I, I was saying to you before when we talked about it that i think like adding some like random panels and bits sticking off it from yeah. the uh, iron horse pack if you can if you can do that it might look a bit more ramshackle and a bit more interesting this uh, one looks a bit too for you it looks a bit too finished finished production model you'd like yeah to prototype. yeah 
Uh, but I guess that ties in with the... It's been talked about before that Barnabas Sturgeon's Enlightened is a much more clean aesthetic than the Carpathian Enlightened. So maybe that's why it's it's much more refined stuff is because it's, you know, it's it's been done in the Wells Chasm rather than under Carpathian's eye. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just a personal thing. I, I prefer the more ramshackly falling to pieces look for the enlightened than i do the uh, clean looking so yeah but there it is we i like well so it's a thumbs up a double thumbs up from me and a sort of thumbs up from scott yeah a, a half thumbs up from me yeah. <laughs> so let's get on to the big big release of the of the month so the big release of the month is for dystopian wars it is the Inter- enterprise battlefleet set Yes, it's a it's a biggie. It's a biggie. I mean, there is a lot to talk about. So it's it's in a similar vein to what the Victory Fleet set was, where you get a brand new resin carrier, which is flipping huge. It's um, the second biggest model in the game. It, the only thing bigger is the Ice Maiden. Yes, because the Ice Maiden. I've seen to remember saying that the Ice Maiden is going to be currently is the biggest planned model that will be released for dystopian wars and having seen it multiple times against other things that thing is it's like a small child's worth of resin so this is going to be fairly big as well and then we've got the frontline squadrons for the union which we've seen already yeah yorktown class cruisers which can be rebuilt as in three other types the intrepid lexical reliance and then we've got all the new cruisers which are there's, there's five yeah it, the closer can be built as either a discovery uh i want to say this wrong roanoke run roanoke roanoke california montgomery or washington class so that's one two three four five classes of cruiser you can build from that from that class mm-hmm. and they are they're all asymmetrical they're very sort of off kilter, um, yeah. The bridge is off to the one side of the one side of the ship, mm-hmm. which looks very, very realistic, very modern, sort of very modern. Yeah. Looking at the construct, uh, for those that like to be modular and swap round, I think Discovery class is probably going to be the one you can't swap round too much. You might swap that round with the uh, Washington class, the missile missile cruiser, the flat tops. The California and the Montgomery are practically identical other than the crane and whether the deck's open or closed. And then you've got the mini aircraft carrier. That's probably going to be the one that's the trickiest to be swappable round. Mm. Uh, I like that mini aircraft carrier. It's got um, the version they're showing on the site has it with the lift down. So there's a big hole in the deck and you can see the the plane underneath it. And it's a circular hole because it's a turntable. Yeah. It's designed to be a turn, so that obviously you've got quick turnaround of aircraft that way. You can just instead of having to turn the aircraft around by hand, you just turn the platform around it's standing on, which is obviously a lot faster. So I like that from a functional point of view. They are really, really nice looking models, and you're going to be. I've looked through the orbit at the utility of them, and honestly, there isn't a bad choice. It's what you want to be, what you want from a tactical point of view. Mm is going to change 
Um, if you're going for or attack, you're probably going to want to build discoveries. But the two support cruisers that they, they've got, two completely different effects. You've not got a bad choice here. I mean, with some of the sets, there's some the cruisers you just go, no, not building that. It, it doesn't do what it need, what I want at all. With this set, you're looking at all these cruisers going, ah, <laughs> I'm going to need more of these. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next month, when the uh, support squadron comes out, I expect that to sell very, very well. Yes, definitely. Especially if the other thing that's coming out in the box, which is the Patriots that we've seen the concept art before, if they're a part of that sprue, which I'm assuming yeah. they're going to be. They're not very big automata. Again, no, they're, like they're, the... they're surprisingly well. So it did say they weren't Colossus class. No, they are. They, they did say the Union don't go in for Colossi. So we have small robots on the flight stands, and the look of it, they look very poseable. They've got them in like a straight up pose and a flying and two flying poses, but it looks like you can pose them however you like. Yeah, and they will look pretty cool. Mm, they are really cool, and you get quite a few of them as well. So it's not going to be just uh, like one or two of them you get on the table. You're going to be having a lot of these guys by those things. You get six in total. So there's three types, so you get two of each type. Right, okay. Yeah, so six six of those on on thing. And the rotors, you get the Archon, Akron rotor as well. So you're having a lot of things in the air. Three, Ac three Akron observation rotors, six Patriot automata, three, three Discovery class and three York, Yorktown class. Now you've got the missile cruisers, those mm. Akrons become a lot more useful. Oh yes, because you will be getting the spotter rule attached yep. to those, which gives you... Does it give sustained? I think it does for the Enlightened. I'm not sure if it does that for the Union, but I think it's probably similar. I think it's probably the same, yeah. I think it's a universal rule, but I'm, I don't have the Orbat in front of me or the rule book, so I couldn't honestly be 100% on that. Spotter. This unit gets sustained quality, yep, so it gets sustained and extreme range. So, yep, you're... If, in, oh, within three inch of a friendly SRS token, but Akron, Akron warning control system. Weapons on this unit with the extreme range quality gain the homing quality. Ooh, homing if the initial target is in 15 inches of an Akron. So if you've got a spotter and an Akron, that's extremely nasty. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I don't fancy facing that. But yeah, like I said, there are no bad builds in this set. It's, uh, I mean, they all look amazing and they all uh, seem to be well, well worth adding into a force as well so yeah, yeah. No, no bad choices to be honest with you i mean potentially it's probably one of the few big sets where i say you'd buy two of them perhaps <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> i mean like yeah, my, the enterprise my, my, my kind of wallet attack you saying that like my wallet, <laughs> I'm, I'm clear speak to me <laughs> if you have no union force whatsoever like yeah. having two of these gives you so much flexibility it gives you so much opportunities to build everything that you need plus as with all the other big super carrier style things there is a regular version and a named version so having both actually I think there isn't for the 
this. Hang on, let me just double check. There's a constitution. Texas is a constitution. Mexico is a constitution. Enterprise heavy carrier. And that's it. There is no named version of the Enterprise. I'm really surprised by that. I'm surprised by that as well. I'm wondering if there's going to be a Orbat tweak. Potentially. Give us a, a name. So there'll be the Enterprise and a non-named carrier, for example. Yeah, because I'm... Uh, no, that was the Constitution class. I was thinking, I'm sure I've seen a, a, a USS something, um, but that was a Constitution class battleship. Yeah, so that, the Texas and the Mexico for the Constitutions. Yeah, it's the Mexico I was thinking of. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. If there isn't a second name one, then yeah, don't bother buying two of these. Then buy two or a couple of boxes of the um, support squadrons, at least, including. I get a constitution, well. one of these, and some support squadrons. Yep. I'm, saying, I'm saying that knowing full well my son wants to get this. He saw that I showed him this earlier this month, and he's like, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Now he has got his own money, and he does want to spend his money on that. I mean, I think it's a. I mean, it's, it's not as expensive as the Ice Maiden, but I don't think it's quite as cheap as the Victory. Because I think the Ice Maiden was 85 and the Victory was 75, if I remember. remember yeah, right this me. is 75 again. Yeah, it might have been 70 for the Victory. I'm not sure. It was around that sort of area. Yeah, I think 75. But yeah, it's um, a lovely thing. Yeah. And yeah, you're going to be spoiled for choice. Yeah, I mean, I I like all the options in there. It, it almost tempted me over to Union instead of Crown or what's it, or um, Commonwealth. But then I was like, actually, you know, your lad's already collecting Union for definite and sounds like Commonwealth as well is going to yeah. be a a mainstay so I may just get that victory battle fleet after all just uh, bite the bullet and, and go for it yeah. is, is Canada going to be under the crown it is isn't it Canada is crown yeah yeah I think I'm going to go crown then if if, um, Dominion, if I get a second, second fleet concept drawings we saw the Canada stuff look really cool mm, yeah like the um, like submersible style battleship yeah. yes um, that looks awesome so yeah I think I'm I'm probably going to go crown for the second fleet. Oh, there you go. My son, my son's made your mind up for you. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I've been been unburdened of the decision. decision. So our final thing for tonight is we did run a competition and asked you pensmiths out there to write us a little a little short story. We called it the backstory bonanza. We had a few entries. We enjoyed reading all of them they're all really good but there could only be one winner and before we reveal what it is that we picked what was it about the story you liked i thought it was a really the the trouble with short stories is it's very hard to get a good narrative like a good beginning middle and end narrative it's felt like it's concluded and this did a really good job of just being really short, really punchy, and having that beginning, middle, and end. It was really well written. It had the historical background, and we had references along with it. It, it had, it had literally like you couldn't ask for more from the story. Really, no. I thought it was 
fantastic. What I really liked was it managed to get in quite a bit of action, some daring do, and then even though the story itself concludes, you're left wanting the next bit. Mm-hmm. It, it, it concludes, but there's still more to tell, and you want to know what happens next. And that's yeah. the classic good short story. Mm-hmm. It's finished, but you want more. Yeah. And it, well, I really, really enjoyed reading this. And the winning entry is Operation Northern Star by Andrew Nets. So, Andrew, well done. I hope you're listening to this. If you, we're going to let you, we're going to give you a couple of days to get in touch with us because we'd like you to find out by listening to this. Yeah. If you find out by email, it's not quite the same. We, if you haven't got in touch with us in a couple of days, we'll email you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you want and where do you want to send it? And we will arrange what your prize is and getting it to you because I think you live in the States. So we're going to have to do a little bit of jiggery pokery, but we'll get it to you somehow. Yeah, we'll definitely get it to you. We'll we'll sort it out. You, you won't miss out, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, thanks to everybody who entered. Like we, we said, we enjoyed reading everything, but there could only be one winner in the end. Thank you to everyone who entered. So what we're going to do is we're going to record me, me reading it doing my best to read it i hope i do it justice we're also going to post up to read on the markov page all the entries so that all the, you all get your little chance to shine in the sun because all those entries were excellent and they do deserve to be read by them. yeah uh, so we'll release that recording as soon as, as soon as we can and we'll get it out there for everybody to listen to and we may run another competition in the future we may do do something a little different uh, painting competitions everybody does them so we might try and find something a little different maybe we do an art competition get some people to draw some fan art of characters or their own characters but that'd be interesting we'll see we'll come up with something for, for later in the year uh, hopefully next time we will be giving you our battle report of the hex versus the enlightened and see how the 150 points games goes because it's what we're most curious about really is uh, is 150 points too much is it just right we'll we'll see next next time so thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you next time happy trails pilgrims file number historia ponderosa 220-230-60 file closed Agent Markov remains at large.